0: in outside Where's that Ah wow. Radio.
1: Welcome to Monster X Radio. Excuse me, listeners. <laughs> uh, it was gulping a little bit there. Uh, caught a gulp of air in between. So um, welcome to Monster X Radio, everybody. This is Gunnar Monson. Monster X Radio is brought to you by the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Sasquatch Coffee fuel your next inventor. You can check it out at www.squatchcoffee.com. Today with me is my good friend and consummate Bigfoot field researcher, Mr. Shane Corson. Shane, how are you?
0: Doing well, Gunnar. Doing well. Just getting over a little bit of a cold, so excuse excuse my hoarse voice and occasional coughing hacks. Uh, I will try to keep them to a minimal, but uh, that's what happens when you uh, travel uh, to San Diego, enjoy the sunshine, uh, get a tan, and come back to the cold uh, weather of Washington, um, and, uh, you you know, don't, we can't do, um, you can't, you know, get, do the crime, you know, don't do the timer, other way around, I guess, see, I'm all messed up. (laughs) (laughs) It's all that cough medicine. It Um, is, it is,
1: I'm a little drowsy, but I'll make it. (laughs) So we're going to, our show today is, we're going to discuss some of the stuff that uh, we've experienced well out uh, doing field research. Um, it's interesting, a couple of things have come up in the last week uh, that I wanted to talk a little bit about. One is that uh, I see that uh, Mr. Bob Gimlin, along with uh, his good friend Russ Accord, are going to do their own podcast, which actually, as a Bigfoot pers- person, I, I'm i looking forward to it. Because, I mean, if you've ever had the opportunity to mm-hmm. to listen to Bob you know, talk on on the subject of Bigfoot, or tell, just telling stories. Uh, it it's he you can he has that like you know charm and and is a great storyteller. And uh, I look forward to Bob Spin. You know, it's it's uh it's cool to me that there's there's these different uh, aspects of of Bigfoot. Uh, research uh, and, and and entertainment that that are, are becoming available, or popping up. You know, another one is um, I'm friends with uh, David Boozer that does PacWest Bigfoot, and uh, David posted a, a story that somebody had emailed to him, and it had a old picture in there that was, you know, debunked and somebody had tried to pass it off a while back as as a picture of Bigfoot. And it's actually a, a metal sculpture, and uh, you know you get bamboozled. It was interesting to watch the whole process because somebody saw it and they jumped right on it, and and call was attempting to call him out as a hoaxer. And I'm like, you know that David never has has purported to be uh, a Bigfoot real, re, field researcher. David uh, mm-hmm. is a storyteller, and uh, he does pack West Bigfoot, as I said, and. And uh, you know it's one of those things. Either enjoy the stories that he he tells, or or you don't. And and, and you have the option to listen or not to listen. Um, every, everything everybody's doing their own thing. You know, uh, West uh does a great job with Sasquatch Chronicles and uh, tells you know a lot of different uh, Bigfoot encounter stories and does a good job of interviewing. Um, bigfoot personalities and stuff so we are, you know, you know we're coming from the the perspective of actually you know shane is a, a and and i and julie and thomas are all active field researchers so that's that's our spin on the thing you know as we actually are out doing field research so i i wish uh you know bob and and russ uh, a lot of luck and i'm sure it'll if you've seen any of their like Facebook Live broadcasts, it'll be entertaining. They have a really good rapport, and uh, and we wish them well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Booser is a great guy, and he's got a great uh, product at and he's got a great uh, following. And so, um, you know, uh, people will will set out to try and destroy that, that sort of thing, uh, but uh, it's not going to face David, and he's a great guy. And uh, yeah, and, I, and likewise, I do risk, wish uh, Russell Accord and Bob Gimlin great luck with their their new endeavor. Uh, I think it'll be great. Um, I can't like you, Gunner. I can't wait to listen to that podcast and what's going to come out of it and the people they're going to be interviewing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great.
1: Well, another thing that was, uh, was interesting because I post last last week's show we did a on a, a incident up in Washington with. Uh, Kyle Gibson and Montra Freitas had been out snowmobiling and, and and they were actually looking for Bigfoot images in an area that has a lot of history of of activity. And they're driving along in a snowmobile and they have this process of checking the sides of the road. And uh Kyle caught some motion in his vision and stopped the snowmobile and actually backed up and they took these pictures. And uh, even on the show, we talked about that it was, you know, they're not obviously not definitive from looking at the pictures. Um, the context of the story made it more interesting. Um, Todd's niece actually had shared the picture with me prior to uh, my having the opportunity to talk to Kyle and Montre about it. And they, they all actually went up. Todd and Diane um, actually went out and bought a snowmobile, snowmobile so that they could go up and check out the area. Um, the area was not conducive to um, doing uh, a thorough investigation. You know, the snow was soft and not, and anyway, they couldn't get to the exact spot where, where uh, whatever the object was in the, in the picture. And it was interesting that I posted those four of the pictures that uh, Todd had shared with me, um, and um, it was it was a typical. Response, you know, we had people on one end, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitively stating, you know, that there's definitely a Bigfoot in there, and even so far as there's two Bigfoot and one of them's holding the baby, and it's right. interesting just to the other, end there's absolutely, you know, it's making a definitive statement that it's definitely not a Bigfoot. It's a, it's this or that or the other thing. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, it, it has, it requires vetting. And uh, I I think the pictures are interesting still. I mean the, but again, is it a case of paradoia? You know, you're looking at something that looks, you, you know, you can go out and find shadows and and uh, uh, find things that look like faces. It but but it also about the context of of the story. And uh, you know, as after having the conversation um, with Kyle and Mantra, it's like, uh, you know that. Uh, of course, I'm, my brain is analyzing it, and it's, it's what did they see, you know, and, and uh, maybe there's two separate things, or maybe there was motion that wasn't related to the object, just because you see, you know, motion as you're moving, it, it could, but it, but it bears more um, research, and I know that there's plans um, to go back up to try to locate the exact tree, and and see, in you know, is the object in the picture still there? That that right. kind of stuff. So Shane, what do you think of those pictures? I mean, obviously they're, you know, they're not yeah, not uh, definitive, but
0: right, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to echo your comments. I, I I thought the pictures were interesting. You know, it looks like there's something standing behind. A tree, kind of peeking out. You know, that's what it appears to be. But uh, like you said, you know, it's it's ambiguous still because of the distance and the shadowing and um, and whatnot. You know, and it's a shame they couldn't get out to that spot because uh, it would have, you know, at the time of of uh, taking those pictures because they would have answered a lot of questions, right? But uh, I understand, right. you know, in, in some of those areas. And I've been in a lot of those areas. You, you can't get to the, the snow's too thick, and you know. And uh, what if, what if, uh, you know, they got out close to the location and found it's a bear, and you're in some thick snow, or in an area you can't get out of quick? That's not a good situation to be in. So, but but I do hope that they can get back out there and recreate it and, and look and see if that whatever they caught on the camera and what they saw, if it's still there, you know, if it's a stump or what not a tree branch or was there something physically um you know standing there that it's alive you know like a sasquatch and like you said too gunner that's an area that uh, from what i hear is is had a lot of reports and sightings so it's uh it it adds a little bit of a element to it there but it's important that they do do indeed go out there and recreate it and try to find the right tree uh, because otherwise it's just going to be another one of those um I'll put, tell you this. I think it's better than a blob squatch picture, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's you don't know really All what right. you're looking at, but it's got that silhouette shape, you know. And yeah, my encounter back in 2011, it was very similar. It was at nighttime, but I had something behind the tree, but it was definitely moving, and I knew what I was looking at. But uh, I, you know, I, I, the cool thing about uh, Kyle and Mantra is they're not saying it's a Sasquatch. You know, they're not saying Sasquatch, Um and so. You know, they shared something they thought was interesting with uh, some context to it, uh, and and you just, at the end of the day, that's, that's what you got, you know, and so hopefully they can go out and recreate it and add, uh, you know, add that element to uh, the picture, and, and maybe more can come from that, you know, maybe they'll look it up there and realize there, there had been something standing behind that tree, and they can measure the height and, and the width and, and all that stuff, so... We'll see what happens, but uh, you know it's interesting pictures, interesting set of pictures. I think there was four of them total. Is that right, Gunner?
1: That, you know, and I'm not even clear about that. Those are the four that that Todd shared with me. Um, there, were, there were some questions that that I thought about after. Of course, your you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Is, because I know that Mantra had taken some pictures, but I'm not sure if there was more than those four or not. I'd like to. I'll have to reach out to to them and ask if uh, if there was a more uh, if there were more than those four. It, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I, I know that there's a pro Todd Nies um, described on the, on the show last week is um, that you can now, there's forensic um, process that you can take your cell phone and if you're willing to give it up for a few days, they can actually restore the compressed picture, your cell phone automatically compresses your picture. That's why so many times, you know, the pictures that we get on our cell phone aren't nearly as clear as what, we're, what we saw at the time. But they can apparently restore those back to the original um, clarity and, and definition. So that be, and I know there was some conversation about that. Of course, you know, what does it cost to do that? Those are also always the challenges of, of uh, mm-hmm. processing think for them. It's just same thing as the the eDNA you know study up in for the nest site. Mm-hmm. Everything costs money. It's not uh, something that you know it's done for free. As funny as, right. you know, as soon as somebody tries to uh, uh, look for external financing, somebody complains about that. I remember that <laughs> when Dr. Meldrum put that up, all of a sudden people you know chatter, chatter, chatter. I'll, I'll borrow from Thomas. Chatter, chatter, chatter. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, I like I mean, I again, I appreciate that they, they were willing to put themselves out there and share their, their research stuff, and, and uh, we had a great conversation. So um, let, let's talk about, you know, stuff that has happened, and that kind of is a good segue into um, our conversation today is that what sometimes when you're actually out uh, doing Bigfoot research, um, you do have interesting things happen. Um I know that uh, Ed, your your most interesting Bigfoot related incident actually took place when you weren't doing Bigfoot research. <laughs> so go figure exactly. I mean that's yeah. Um, you know, I our good friend Larry, which I had the opportunity to go um hike near Connie Mountain here uh yesterday. He came on down to the coast and, and we he and Cody and I, his dog, uh hiked out in the rain um and it, it was a beautiful high and and uh we had a good time but larry being a part of the tillman forest research group you know has has had some interesting encounters uh has found you know oppressions um had the the tent incident where something uh pushed on his head or grabbed his head um After it was walking around his tent, you know, and and had a visual sighting um, in close proximity in our research area, actually a road crossing. And of course, that took place at a time when he wasn't actually doing Bigfoot research. He happened just to be driving through the area and headed out to go home to have lunch. And uh, that's You know, then there was a second sighting almost in the, you know, really close to the location uh, crossing the road uh, by Jess Southern's uh, now husband, uh, Mm -hmm. Chris, you know, within a couple months of of Larry's sighting, almost in the same location. And uh, Larry and I were actually talking yesterday about some um, ideas of of, uh, that area and where we think they might you know there is a, a rich history of of bigfoot um encounters big, uh sightings and footprint finds and stuff up in that area and uh where where they might be it seems like that areas uh quieted down some but but there's also been some pretty extensive logging um mm-hmm. and how does that affect uh their movement and where did they relocate
0: you know
1: either permanently or temporarily to because the logging was encroaching on their their uh territory? I don't know it's we have some ideas there's an area that uh in that area that have, that has the highest peak, and I've always kind of had a uh, a feeling that and and that's all it is It's kind of like a gut feeling that they're using this creek that's in that area to traverse back and forth from that that mountain peak that is the highest in in the area and coming in and out of the area where, where we've had some really interesting things happen, including yourself. Um oh yeah. So let's yeah, let's let's uh start with you with uh what are some things that, that have happened to you that while well, you're actually out bigfoot researching that that you have found intriguing compelling yeah
0: yeah a couple of points here I, well, I did want to touch upon the the logging you know it's the the whole logging and clear cutting it's kind of a double-edged sword i have found because you know in a lot of areas that you have supposed sasquatch activity revolves around some of these clear cuts or in close proximity where you know where the deer and, and everything hang out because of the sunlight penetrating you know, this forest canopy, you don't have a forest canopy there, and so the sunlight can penetrate or shine there. You get the rain and the grass will grow, and I think that's why you get a lot of sightings in some of these areas. You know, you get a lot of deer and other ungulates foraging in these areas, and I think Sasquatch is uh, taking advantage of that. Um, but the the new clear cuts that come in, you know, uh, I've seen this in a couple areas, uh, one well, down, down on the Oregon coast and, and a very popular Bigfoot spot up in Washington where they're actively – going in and logging, clear-cutting in these areas, uh, logging them, and uh, the activity just, I mean, it just dropped off. And I've, I've seen that in the Tillamook Forest now and in this particular area in Washington. Uh, but what I've noticed, uh, at least with this particular place in, in Washington, is the activity has moved uh um, northeast of that area Where there is no logging going on And there's been a lot of activity well, What seems to be a lot of activity And some recent sightings So I do think the logging plays a part But I also think that uh, you know, After a certain amount of time you know, When the logging is completed That Sasquatch is an area They might just move back to that area Because it's you know high opportunity to forage and, and hunt game and everything else That they might possibly do Now having said that <clears throat> Pardon me the um, you know a lot of these encounters happen when you're not actually, as you mentioned, Gunner, doing any sort of research. You know, my my uh, my sighting back in 2011 was you know like I've said on the show countless times. I was out fishing with some buddies in a very you know semi remote area, fairly remote area, and, and uh, but uh, very scenic and beautiful. And you know, I guess if uh, you know looking back in hindsight, you know, if I was going to conduct research, that would be the perfect spot. And I have subsequently um, gone back out there and conducted research because of that particular – my sighting, my encounter over two nights. And having done um, a lot of research subsequently after that sighting, having done a lot of research, I realized that I was in an amazing area that I didn't really appreciate at the time. I appreciated the beauty, the solitude, the remoteness, the fishing, the commodity with my friends. But I wasn't really, um, you know, Bigfoot wasn't on my brain at that time. I was a weekend getaway to do some fishing, which I'm an avid, maniacal, you know, fisherman. I love the fish. So I was fishing. But having done research on the area and realizing that, man, there's been a lot of sightings in this area, and there's been a lot of really odd reports, um, even, um, you know, some from rangers, you know, some of the rangers in these area, that I, that I go, wow, um, I, I – I landed myself a gold mine, at least I thought at the time. But I did do a lot of research in this area over many years and I, you know, many times we didn't have or I didn't have anything happen. Uh, more times than not. I didn't record anything, I didn't see anything, I didn't find anything, I didn't experience anything. More times than not. But there are uh there are there have been some occasions that have brought to light like, That I do believe the Sasquatch is still in that area, especially, you know, certain times of the month, uh, specifically uh, from July through, you know, um, October, you know, um, September or November, those months. And I think that's to do with the amount of um, food and natural resources in that area. Uh, And and you get people camping and and hiking in some of these lower areas, and they do in this particular area as well but there's not as many and it's just a great area to get away. There's some really high mountains and peaks, uh, in, in the, um, Olympic national or not, excuse me, in the, in the Mount Hood national forest. And, um, well, to get to some of what ha- I have experienced out there, um, a few, oh, oh a few years after my encounter, um, a buddy, uh, one of the guys that was actually out, uh, during my, uh, during that fishing trip in 2011, um, Uh, That was part of that whole encounter experience. He came back out with me when we were out fishing. But we're also doing, I was actually actively now conducting research in that area, but an adjacent lake. It wasn't the same lake area. It was an adjacent lake about a mile away. And we were fishing, but, you know, during the day and kind of hiking around, looking for stuff, um, sitting out uh, trail cameras and audio recorders. And uh, he was on one side of the lake, and I was on the other side of the lake, and he was hearing um, something pig-like grunts. And we had walkies, and we were chatting back and forth. And I said, you know, well, there's, you know, there's bears in this area, and there is a particular large bear up in this area. Um, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you know, come back around. And he was feeling a little bit uncomfortable. So and it's, it's not a very big lake. So it takes, you know, it took him probably about 10, 15 minutes to get to, to walk over to me. And Gunner, I know I brought you to this particular lake, so you know where I'm, I'm kind of describing. And, yep. uh, you know, as he's coming around um, – we were hearing, I mean, I was hearing some odd noises, um, but nothing that screamed anything other than probably an animal. And he, he eventually makes his way back around to me. And as we're standing on this rock facing the lake, <clears throat> we see some shaking going on on this um, rock-like slide area. There's some big bushes up on this rock slide, er, uh, rock slide area on the other side of this lake, and it was shaking violently, and there's no wind. It's 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, beautiful sunny day, beautiful um, Oregon day. And no wind or anything, and it's shaking. So there was something shaking that bush. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, this, what's going on here? He's hearing grunts. Oh, is this bear uh, moving around in here, or what else is going on? And we we started hearing um, some whistles, um, and, and just really odd whistles. And one of the things we had I had been doing prior, uh, back up a little bit prior, was when he was across the other side of the lake, you know, I was smacking my hands and it would echo off the, the other side of the the canyon there, and it would come back, and it was just a really kind of funky noise. And I was making, you know, wasn't really even thinking about doing anything Bigfoot. I was just, I liked the echo. I don't know if that played a part with anything, but it's something that I I remember doing and um, thought about it later on. But he makes his way back over, and we see this tree shaking, this bush shaking, and uh, we're hearing these weird whistles and stuff. And it gets really kind of quite quiet. And we're just going, hmm, that, I mean, those are really odd whistles. Uh, and they were from, coming from two different directions. And I just felt a little spooked out. I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little spooked out by them. I thought, man, those are some odd whistles. <clears throat> uh, they didn't sound like a bird. It sounded like a, a coarse human whistle. And as we're sitting there talking, <clears throat> we hear this large cracking noise. And then just lot, like a huge uh, thud on the ground. And instantly we look at each other. Cause we had both we knew exactly what that was it was a tree, a tree had fallen over I mean, or whatever but a tree had fallen, and that at the time was pretty freaky you know in the middle of the day you know or an afternoon and, and you get this large tree coming down, you could hear it. Well, what really spooked us both out, yes, the tree coming down it, we didn't expect that, but what really spooked us out was that we had realized that that tree had fallen over or whatever between us and our tent. We knew it had come back from that direction because we could hear it. It was not too far away. So we decided uh, to head back and check it out. Uh, We were both pretty spooked at that point because there's just a lot of different little events going on that uh, were screaming something odd. And as we headed back towards our tent, very cautiously looking around, uh, we came across this um, dead tree, a large dead tree that had... Uh, fallen over the trail, the, the, the little tiny footpath game trail leading to our tent, really thin, but it was there, and it was right across the trail, and we both looked at each other again, and go, that's that's really weird. <laughs> it's right across the trail, it's about you know 30 yards from our tent or so, and um, as we're, we, we we investigate the tree, uh, it, behind the base of the tree, it looked like something uh, large or something big head. It was pretty flat. It was a, you know, it was a lot of that old um, kind of bark dust uh, material, you know, when the trees decayed, that was there. But it was very flattened in that area. And some of the salal in that area was flattened as well and snapped. So it appeared to us that something had been uh, behind that tree. And this tree, too, you know, even though it was dead, it wasn't like a real, um, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to come out and say I think Sasquatch pushed over the tree. But I'm not going to roll it out. But it looked like something big had been behind that tree. This tree was, yes, it was a dead tree, but it wasn't, uh, um, it just, it was odd circumstances. It wasn't really decayed thoroughly, real soggy or anything. So it was just something odd. Well, after seeing that and witnessing that, my buddy, uh, uh, he wanted to leave. He was ready to leave. He said, you know what, I'm not going to spend the night out here again. He didn't feel like going back out there. Uh, he, He wanted to leave. So we end up. Um, and though I wanted to stay, uh, I you know I, I had driven us both to this location. We had to hike out, you know, over a mile, and so I thought, you know, it's time for us to you know we'll pack up and leave. Um, and and maybe that was the best choice, you know. Maybe uh, I'm not quite experienced anything quite like that, um, but after after having my initial encounter in in uh, very close proximity to what we were having had you know go on then. Uh, it within a span, you know, of a year or so, in about the same month, I thought, you know, maybe something really doesn't want us here. Uh, you know, maybe there's something going on, you know. And um, I won't recount my original sighting. You can go back and look you know, old Monster X um, show. It's, it's uh, you know, Gunner interviewed me um, a few years ago. Uh, having said that, that was one of the uh, encounters uh, out there that I – that was – really interesting, and I I do call it an encounter, because I think there's a possibility that we were dealing with, maybe with a Sasquatch in the area, or a couple, given the whistles, the grunts, the bush shaking, and that tree mar, which is, when when you combine all of that stuff, it's, it's odd, you know, it's, you know, I didn't see a Sasquatch, but it's odd, and the thing about that lake, or that general area, and I'll throw this in there just for Uh, just for, I don't know, not necessarily food for thought, but there is a, there is a missing man, um, in this area. Uh, It's part of the reason I actually went to this particular area, but in this area, there's a missing guy and he, he kind of disappeared under some odd circumstances. And so that was just something else in the back of my head, you know, um, you know, mine will play tricks with you in a lot of ways, but that's something I kept in mind, regardless of what happened to the guy, he's missing out there, you know, and I know, uh, just recently um, in Snoqualmie, you know, there's a uh, – I don't mean to laugh about it, but in Snoqualmie there was a, uh, there was a cougar, a recent cougar attack that killed a, a gentleman and, and injured another. Um, and so you got, you know, all these things going through my head. Uh, not this particular, obviously, cougar attack killed, but there's a lot of cougar in this area in this bear. So, you know, it was probably a good thing we got out of there at that particular – Uh, time, but another time at that same lake, that same spot, I took uh, Cindy Cadell, uh, who's also a Lone Project member, she's an archaeologist and anthropologist, fantastic woman, very smart, I took her and a few others, uh, Duncan Jensen, I took um, Cindy's daughter, Megan, who's with the BFRO, and we went out to this area, and uh, we were camping in a a different spot by the same lake, but a different spot um, that's close to another, kind of a hidden lake that's up in this area. And really didn't have anything happen that whole day. We did a lot of hiking and came back and made our camp. Um, and all our tents were all kind of, uh, we were in like in a horseshoe shape with a fire in the middle. And uh, around 2.33 in the morning, somewhere around there, I was hearing some footsteps coming from the other side of uh, someone's tent. And um, at least what I thought were footsteps. But it was in the soil. It was very thick. And it sounded like someone was brushing through, walking through there. And then it sounded like it had stopped somewhere behind Cindy's tent. And she was kind of like, if you're looking at the horseshoe setup, she was like the point. She was uh, at the center of the horseshoe. So she was kind of there, and I was at one end. And it sounded like whatever was walking around in this area, it uh, stopped somewhere up behind her tent. And I didn't hear anything after that. And I'm laying there, and laying there. So it was a semi-full moon, I believe. And... Uh, as I'm laying there in my tent, you know, you can see the shadows, of stuff outside because of the moon penetrating. And I I thought I saw what looked like something kind of swaying back and forth. As I'm laying on my back, I was kind of looking back behind me at the roof of my tent. It looked like something was swaying back and forth, but it looked like uh, there was a, a tree. Um, well, there was a tree behind my tent at a distance, and uh, there was a slight wind, so I took it to be – the tree, um, kind of rocking back and forth, maybe in the wind or something. <clears throat> and as I'm watching it, I see um, one of the limbs of this supposed tree drop. Like, it just came down. And I went, whoa, huh, I don't think that's a tree. <clears throat> and it, you know, and I I thought, maybe, was that something staying behind my, my, behind my tent with its arm outstretched and dropped it? Because that's kind of what it appeared to be like. <clears throat> and as I'm unzipping my tent, I'm, I'm, I wanted to look at it uh, Whatever it was was gone, I mean it took off I could hear it leave if that's indeed what I was seeing something left well I, I laid there um at that particular time i had i don't believe i i didn't have any flare with me, so I couldn't really um check out the night unfortunately, that might have might have been kind of awesome but um uh, long story short, you know, I laid there and eventually I went back to sleep i was in my tent laid back down and listened and listened and didn't hear anything else, and the next morning. As we're all waking up and we're starting to cook meals and stuff, uh, we start talking about uh, did anybody hear anything or blah, blah, blah. And and Cindy said, yeah, I I heard something walk up behind my – it sounded like something was up behind my tent, and I heard like a waterfall sound like there was a gush of water. And I said, really? And I was kind of floored because I had heard something uh, walk up uh, or trek towards her tent, be up behind it. Uh, I couldn't tell the distance. But she i had never i had heard something stop up behind her tent i I never heard any any water noise, anything like that and behind her tent is nothing but salal and pine trees uh there's no water back there behind her tent there's no water, it wasn't wet, it wasn't raining and so when she said she had heard something behind her tent, I said you know what i I heard something trekking through the salal sounded like footsteps, and it sounded like it kind of ended up somewhere behind her tent and she had heard this water noise, and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if something was up behind her tent you know." feet away or yards, I don't know, and had taken a leak because that's just kind of how she described the sound like it, which is a gush of water. And if anybody's been around a, uh, a horse or elk or anything like that, uh, you know, and you get that real gush of water, I, I was just out um, at a horse camp the other day and the horse was taking a leak and it was, you know, it sounded like a freaking, you know, fire hose. Well, it's kind of what Cindy described and I went back and looked and I didn't really see anything. I couldn't find anything wet. I don't know how far away this thing was from her tent. Um, but I did mention that I I had seen something up behind my tent um, that that I I think might have been um, alive. It, it, I don't think it was the tree, given the distance. I think this thing was in between the tree and my tent, and so it was several feet back. Yeah, but um, I don't think um, I don't think it was the tree. And it's just an, another one of those odd circumstances that happened out there. And I will mention this as well is that. While uh, we were having, one of the reasons we went, I took Cindy out to this area because the next lake over, there's another lake in this area. Recently, during that time, Cindy had gotten a report from an individual. Uh, father and son were out fishing on this lake. It was, you know, it's a fairly remote lake. You had to hike into it. You can't drive. Um, and as the son's fishing, the dad's on one side of the lake and he's calling for his son. Um, apparently, he couldn't see him, which is. Kind of dangerous in this area. I mean, you know, you got cougar and everything else. Uh, just you know, but anyways, he couldn't see his son, so he started calling for his son. Hey, you know, and the son's fishing. I don't think he heard his dad. And as the son, he he catches a fish and as he's reeling in, bringing it up on shore, he looks up to his right, and from behind this tree, and this is, I believe, eleven o'clock in the in the morning. This is uh, this is an early sighting. Uh, as he's he's peering over to his right, he's pulling this fish in. He sees what he described as, you know, uh, a Bigfoot behind a tree, peeking and watching him. You know, it freaked him out uh, so much to the point that he, you know, dropped everything and ran t- towards his dad. Well, his dad believed his story that he had seen something, uh, and they both packed up and got the heck out of, out of there and had reported this that they had uh, come across. Uh, his dad was actually on the lake. I remember was on the lake on a boat, uh, like a little raft blow up. But anyways, they, they pack up and they head out. Uh, the dad believed his son's story. I believe his son was around the age of uh, 11. Um, if I'm not mistaken. But that's just another – the neat thing about that is all three of these lakes now um, that I've been around have had some sort of uh, – well, one for sure that had Sasquatch activity. The other two, very suspect, very uh, suspicious behavior with a sighting. Uh, and then everything that's transpired with what I've experienced at some of these other, there's multiple lakes in this area, and I focus in on those for a lot of reasons. One, one for the research, and two, I like to fish, so it works out really well for me. But there, there's a lot going on in this particular area, and not just some of the uh, experiences we, I've had out there. The more uh, interesting ones, I've had some interesting audio. I know Gunnar, when um, we went out to this particular area and we took uh, Laura Krantz, um and and we had some some odd, a few odd things happen mainly a, you know a large crash or smack that i had heard from across the lake uh not long after being there but uh, just a very interesting area that i i love to research and be in uh for a lot of reasons that has a tremendous amount of history uh in this area and um and of course you know having had a sighting there uh, it's obviously you know number 1 on my list of places to go um, but uh, what about you, Gunner? I, I can go on and on about some of the stuff that's happened at the in in the Mount Hood National Forest area, but we've obviously had a lot happen uh, in another area that we researched, that being the Tillamook Forest. We've had many interesting things happen there. I personally never had a sighting there, uh, nor have you. But we've had many odd occurrences, uh, you know, with with finding tracks and impressions. To to very um, peculiar sounds recorded and heard in person, uh, to also possibly rocks being thrown. So, do uh, you, you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, first of all, yeah, you know, the Mount Hood area is, I mean, it is vast um, and it has you know a huge history. Growing up as a kid, that area, you know, out. I always thought, growing up initially, I thought that Bigfoot was lived out in Estacada and Mount Hood in that area. You know, when I first found, out, oh, those those were all the stories that I initially heard. Only later did I find out that you know Bigfoot was kind of a national phenomenon. In there are uh, reports from basically anywhere where there's a substantial amount of of forest, um, as I, you know, I, for a long time I was an investigator for the BfRO, and the, and that was fun. I love to talk to witnesses about um, things that have happened. But uh, after a while, it's like I, I call it kind of ambulance chasing. You, you know, you're going back to the to collect historical data, which has value, but the odds of something happening at that particular time when you happen to show up is is low. So we found this area, um, and again, you can go back and list it. We've covered it a number of times on Monaster X, but we started a group, the Tillman Forest Research Group, and because the reason we started was because of some of the interesting things that have happened in that area. And and the area has a history of of sightings and Audio reports, and um, you can go check, you know, um, look in Oregon, um, in the Bfro, and and you'll find there's tons of reports there. Um, of course, M. like said, we're we research the Tillamook Forest. so um, some of the inter- most interesting things. And boy, it's and there's been a bunch. I like I said, I haven't had a a sighting. Um, I've had I've been whist, heard whistles, you know I've heard weird howls. I've heard what would be a classic tree knock, you know like five thirty in the morning. Um, and uh, but what probably the weirdest thing that has happened in that area was the night that, that our good friend Larry and I were up met up there, and we weren't actually staying the night. Um, we went up. To deploy a parabolic mic with a recorder, and Larry and I actually were talking about this yesterday. As it was so dark that night, as like one of those nights where it doesn't feel like your flashlight penetrates the darkness, um, that it just swallows it. But so we're going up, and there's a trail, a couple of trails. There's a, a fork trail out of this area that we were going where we were going to there's a, a north portion and a south portion of this trail and we're taking the north portion well it wasn't too long up as we started up this trail that i heard a whistle and back from i mean from like the south portion of this trail and that's where it appeared to or sounded like you came from and as we proceeded up the trail larry hears a a second whistle from south but a different location so two, two whistles to probably two different entities, whatever made the whistle. And, and I should preface there. We'd had some other whistling incidents. I know that you had one with Larry Shane and I had another incident where something whistled,
0: uh, you
1: yeah, know, probably 50 yards in front of me in the pitch black. Don't know what it was. Didn't didn't have the gumption to run after it in the, the pitch black at the time. Um, but so Larry and I are proceeding up this trail and we start to hear this percussive sound. The best way I can describe that is it sounded like the bass turned up on somebody's car stereo. And boom. Boom. And, uh, we go off the trail, um, into the, the woods of ways to hook this parabolic mic up. And, uh, we continue to hear, we actually stop to listen to it and, and, the area, there's some roads up in this area and, and we listened for a second and like, well, maybe it's some kid driving around in their car with their stereo turned up. And we went back to what we were doing and, and I think we continued to hear it and we walked back to, when we got done, we walked back to the trail and for some reason I was had the impulse of, well, let's turn our, our lights off and see what happens. And when we did, we heard the percussive sound again, but it seemed to be a, like up east this trail runs east west, well, it seemed to be east of us, and it sounded like it was on the trail or in the location of the trail, which um, caused Larry to um we turned our lights back on, and Larry was actually very agitated and actually had his hand on his gun and I'd never really seen him be you know that that uh, nervous about anything, so we w- we made our way down the trail I kept i w- he was in front of me and and at some point he heard the percussive sound coming from the South Trail as well. Well, so we and, and we continued to hear it behind us, and it, in my mind it was like, what what the hell would follow two grown men, you know, down in in the pitch black? And but um, well, we got the hell out of there. I mean, we we were motivated, <laughs> and Ken uh, got off the trail, and and we actually stopped and deployed another audio recorder. And, and heard the, the sound, this percussive sound, like directly across this creek that we had crossed, um, at, at the same, from a different location. So I, it, it was really weird, and and uh, we actually did ca- capture that on on uh, audio, and it a, has a very strange signature. Um, mm-hmm. Was it have anything to do with Bigfoot? I I don't know, but I don't know what the heck it was that. Uh, you know, there was two of, and it seems that there were two of these things, and 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 they did. It always seemed really weird, like the the percussive sound that was cut, per, cut, seemed to follow us down the trail. Always seemed to be about the same distance. You know, it never like was quieter and then louder, and it always seemed about the same um, amplitude, volume. It, it, that, and that was a really weird one. I mean, there's been Lots of other weird stuff that's happened up there. Um, Jess Southern and I were up there one night, and, and um, I, it wasn't too long ago. I was actually reviewing um, audio from from uh, the Tillman Forest Group, and and uh, she's telling the story, and and all of a sudden there's this loud crash, like right behind where she was sitting, and she jumps across the other side, and we we had a fire going, and I my I still remember very clearly my first thought was is something coming out of the woods because it was that loud. And uh, I'm, I'm working on getting that audio so we can put it into the exclusive group because I, I think that uh, it's pretty profound. I mean, it's very loud. What I mm-hmm. did not realize at the time and uh, when I was re- reviewing the audio later is she was actually telling this story about having worked with, uh, chimpanzees, and she does this, like, agitated chimp sound, like, woo-woo-woo. and immediately, I mean, immediately after that, that is this crash. Um, the next day we found, like, uh, probably a softball-sized rock about two feet behind where she was sitting. Um, we had, you know, prior to that we'd heard branches cracking and stuff. But, yeah, that that's another really good one uh, from Tillamook. There's, yeah, there's other ones, you know. There's yeah, the uh, tree uh, I wanted to mention real. Qu- yeah, I wanted to
0: mention mm-hmm. real quick the uh, that particular hill there. Um, it kind of wraps around our our camping area, and you know we I've recorded well. We 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 have recorded uh, at least two different uh, times now in that area. Uh, what I call like uh, ape grunts. They sound very ape like uh, grunts. Um, I had David Ellis of the Olin Project visually analyze, look at them, and, and they. He, he was very uh, interested in, in the particular ones that I've recorded in this one area that I like to camp in, in that Tillamook area, um, you know. And the uh, they come back very priming like. I mean, they sound very chimp like, uh, you know, or, or ape like. I know, gutter. We, we've had the chance to uh, you've had the chance to listen to them and uh, and whatnot. Uh, and, and the cool thing about one particular recording was that there were three knocks involved early morning hours, and then something, um, you know, subsequently uh having listened to the audio even though I heard this in person you know two two knocks uh, about 20 minutes apart and then something being thrown into our camp hitting something metal which we figured out was Larry's tailpipe um, and you could hear the skip of a sound skip of like a rock hitting the ground and hitting his tailpipe and in conjunction with that was the rustling of some bushes and this very uh, uh, ape-like sound like uh, when uh, whatever it was had thrown this object into camp and hit the metal, I was kind of surprised. At least that was what um, I had taken from that whole event. Uh, And uh, to me, when you, you know, given the context, you know you you had these two knocks um, 20 minutes apart. One was far away. uh, 20 minutes later, it's right above our camp. And then you get this metallic sound of something hitting the ground and then bouncing up and hitting Larry's uh, tailpipe. You get the rustling of the bushes after that, and you get that (laughs) ape-like... I mean, what 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 could that be? You know, I didn't see anything, but what could that be? And that that's me shows that that area has just got well, not only a long-standing history of reports and fantastic, sometimes amazing sightings by multiple individuals, but you have this consistent um, activity uh, periodically in in this area. Uh, and to go back to clear cuts, yes, there's some clear cuts in this area, and there's a lot of deer and everything else, and and sometimes year, you know, lots of berry, you know, so but you got a consistent amount of stuff happening in this area. Larry and I were out there, you know, speaking of whistles, Gunner, you know, Larry and I were out there one night. It was 11:08 at night. I remember this. I looked right at my watch as we're sitting around the campfire talking about um, where we where we were going to deploy um, some more audio the next day. So we already had deployed audio that night. And just talked about where we wanted to hike and check out, as we're sitting there, and, and Larry's dog Cody is in between us, uh, we hear this really uh, coarse whistle come off to as we're facing the fire off to our left, and I instantly got weirded out uh, because I had I that whistle I had heard before, and it was uh, you know this is 11:08 at night, I had heard this whistle at three three thirty in the afternoon up you know this being the Oregon coast at three and then. Some you know before up at Mount Hood National Forest, I had heard that same whistle. And we had, you know, a tree come over and and everything else that happened. I shared earlier. So when I heard that whistle, I, I instantly went, "What?" And and the the weird thing on top of that was that Larry's dog went right after this whistle. And Larry's dog, you know, doesn't just run after, just anything. It doesn't just take off. Larry's mm-hmm. like, "What?" We both stand up. And his dog, you know, Larry's like, Cody, get back here. We, it was dark; we couldn't see where the dog exactly went. We just know that that dog hauled, hightailed it towards that whistle sound. And as he did, Larry yells at the dog, and the dog comes back. Well, we're both going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I was once again a little bit going, Ooh, man, that I've heard that whistle before. And it was a really quiet night, so there was it was a very coarse, once again, almost human like whistle. Well, as we're standing there, trying to gather ourselves and figure out what's going on, another whistle happens, but this time it's off to our right. And there goes Cody again, Um, Gunner's dog, or sorry, um, um,
1: Larry's dog. Larry. He just
0: books it. Yeah, Larry. Larry's dog just books it (laughs) again. And he's going, you know, Cody, get over here. And Cody comes back. And once again, it was the same whistle, but from a different direction. And it was not bird-like. And it was odd for that. You know, we we spent a lot of time in this area. You don't hear whistles like that out there, especially at night. Um, And it was just weird the way the dog reacted to it. You know, because you hear birds out there all day, um, you know, in the dusk and in the morning. There's loads of birds, and the dog doesn't react like that. But this whistle, this dog just took off after. And, you know, we did, of course, we did look around and find anything. Um, But it was just one of those, another odd occurrences in that area. You know, we've had a lot of odd occurrences out in that Tillamook area. Um, We do deploy game cameras periodically, uh, and and there's loads of deer. Um, We haven't got anything uh, really suspicious on any of the game cameras. Um, but the audio is done really well, I think, out there. Um, it seems that periodically, something comes out and checks us out. It's you know, interesting what we're doing. I, uh, it, you know, because it seems that, uh, given some of the recordings that we have we've captured out there and taken, uh, sometimes whatever is out there hangs around for quite a while. Because you could hear it come in, and nothing. You know, another, uh, real quick, another two occurrences that happened out there one night, um, having, having had a lot of activity the night prior, I decided to sleep in my truck, and I got covered up all the windows, and I slept in my – and it was a very uncomfortable night. It was a horrible night, but I slept in my truck in the front seat, and I had a, a thermal uh, – I had a night vision on me, not a, not a recording night vision. It was a, a Gen 3, Generation 3 um, night vision, which basically turns night into day. It captures all the available light, and it's kind of a green tint to it, and I sat in my truck and I wanted to see, because um, the night prior I had some really interesting things happen, and I had found a very interesting impression, um, not necessarily a foot impression, more looks like a thumb and something had put its palm down on the ground. But anyways, I decided to sleep in my truck. And as I'm I'm you know I'm, I'm off and on sleeping, and I decided to view the hill where I get a lot of great recordings from. There's this hill uh, where I got some of those chimp-like or ape-like sounds. And so I'm viewing this hill, and I see this large ball on the hill. Like I thought, well, is that a stump? I mean, it was big. It was kind of almost circular, just a large mound-looking thing. <clears throat> and it was just at a distance that I couldn't quite make out any detail, but it seemed to be almost um, swaying back and forth. But then, you know, I know it was the early morning hours. I was tired. I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? It's probably a large stump. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think there's a stump there, though. I don't remember a stump being right there. And there's some stumps up on that hill, but this was a large one. Well, I'm watching it, I'm watching it, and it just seemed to be swaying. And I watched it so long, perhaps I should have got out and investigated it. I did not, um, hindsight, but I did not. And as I sat there, I eventually fell asleep after watching it and kind of thinking, ah, you know, it's probably a stump, even though I don't remember a stump being there. Well, the next day, as I'm viewing the same spot, there's nothing there, and whatever it was was gone, and there had to have been something there. And another occurrence, real quick, once again, I took Cindy Cadell that, uh, in, you know, the individual I was talking about earlier that had been out uh, at the Olympic or uh, Mount Hood National Forest with me, that had the, the, that water peeing sound or whatever it was uh, occurrence. One of the original we-
1: founders of that po- Tillamook group too.
0: Yes, yes. One of the original yeah. founders and one of the uh, ori- original individuals out there that investigated, uh, you know, Larry's report and whatnot. Uh, she, she, she was. You know, she's a constant um, person out in this area. Um, and as we were about to call the night, it was kind of raining. It was damp. It wasn't really anything going on. We were a little disappointed because of the rain. Um, um, Cindy, I, you know, I, had, I did have a, a thermal device on me this time—not a night, busy, but therm. Once again, it did not record. Um, uh, but it was a—it was a good—it was a good, it was a good uh, thermal device. And Cindy and I had been therming, and we weren't seeing anything. She decided to call it a night. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking I'm going to give it like 20 more minutes, and then I'm going to call it a night because I'm getting wet. Uh, and with with everything being wet outside, it was hard to make out any heat signatures because everything was cooling off and everything was wet. Um, well, about five minutes went by, and I'm therming, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna last another 20 minutes. As I'm therming, I see something circular off the ground and behind a tree, uh, at, at you know quite a distance. And I'm watching this thing, and it looks like it's going up and down, up and down. It's it's large, white, hot heat signature, and I'm thinking, well, could it be a raccoon? I know it's off the ground, because I know whereabouts I'm looking at. And I'm thinking, could it be a raccoon or something on a tree? And as I'm watching it, it goes behind the tree, and it pops back out, and it's going up and down, and I'm like, okay, this is this is really interesting. I have to have uh, Cindy check this out, because I don't want to be just, you know, just me to have a story here. Uh, I want Cindy to check this out. So I go, Cindy, Cindy, I know, Cindy, she comes out. What's going on? I said, hey, I got something on. On the therm, it's interesting. Uh, I want you to check it out and get give me your opinion. So as I'm looking for this thing, I, I don't see it anymore. I'm like, crud, I lost it. And, well, I hand it to her, and she's looking around. She's like, oh, hold on a second. I think I found it. And she's going, what, what is that? And she's like, well, is it on the ground? I said, no, Cindy, it's not on the ground. You know, And it's pretty large because she couldn't really judge the distance nor uh, where it was at. She thought maybe it was on the ground like a rabbit or something, even though it was quite – Quite a bit larger than that. I said, No, Cindy, whatever it is is off the ground. It's above the bushes. So that makes it either tall or on the tree. Well, I'm, I, I described its behavior. Well, the thing was, where she was looking, where she'd refound this uh, heat signature, it wasn't in the same spot that I had originally seen it. It had moved uh, by about 15 feet or so. It moved to another tree. And she's watching, and it's really weird. And she goes, I think there's two of them. I said, Two of them. She goes, No, wait, wait, maybe that's a shoulder. So what she was thinking, she was looking at was a head and a shoulder, and the shoulder was popping out the other side of the tree. See, the head on one side, the shoulder on the other, and she thinks that that's kind of what she was looking at. And there wasn't, in fact, there was not two of them, but one. Well, as she's looking at this thing, she's like, could that be somebody watching us? said, there's somebody out here. I said, Sandy, there's nobody out here. It's, you know, it's late. It's about midnight. It's raining, and it's dark. There's nobody over there. It's, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, it's not a person. And she decided to go, hey, and yell at it. Well, as soon as she yelled, hey, or hello, she yelled hello, hello, this thing hit the ground. It dropped. It just instantly dropped. She projected her voice towards it, and it dropped, and it freaked her out. Cause she realized that uh, it, had, it had reacted to her hello. And um, what I take from that is that we were maybe being watched by a Sasquatch, and uh, as we were whispering, well, it maybe it was hearing us, maybe not. It was raining. But when she projected her voice right directly at it, nailed it, you know, like, hello, boom, hits it. That's, it, it will, oh, i am been seen, or whatever. And it hit the ground, and we did not see it again. I eventually did have her watch me on Thurm, and I walked towards where this thing was. I never did find anything that night. So I walked towards it. I said, you know, keep your eye on me in the general area. Um, as I walked up in that area, it was a little bit difficult to find the exact spots. I didn't see anything. The next morning, we wake up. We discuss the events. She realized that, holy moly, uh, this thing had to be pretty tall. Um, uh, that it was indeed not on the ground, and it was you know above the bushes uh, back a ways. Well, I did find an interesting couple of scuff marks back there. I didn't find any really great impressions, but that to me was another in, a time out there that in the Tillman Forest that was I, I thought to be rather
1: amazing. I uh, that I, I remember. Hearing about that and it uh, was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, whistles and howls and and percussive sounds and and therm images. I mean, it's one of the the reasons why that as a group we've we've kept in this area. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, obviously you moved up to Washington and and Cindy and her husband, Jared moved uh, to, you know, central Oregon and, and uh, it just stopped in our group. is. And then of course, Jess moved out like to Sandy. So our group, you know, hasn't been as active together as, as we had, we had a real good run there for a while where everybody, I mean, we had people up there all the time and had a lot of weird stuff happen. Um, and it, well, like you said it, it, that's, Area still is intriguing to me, and um, I. We have so much weird audio stuff that uh, um, David Ellis has helped. You know, Larry has been our audio guy for a large part, um, and kind of David was kind enough to uh, teach Larry how to um, visually vet audio. So I remember starting out Larry was Larry would go home and actually listen to the audio recordings at at the entire thing. you know he at work he'd have his headphones on and be listening for uh weird stuff and, and actually there's so much um, when you're looking at, at audio versus just listening to it that you actually see anomalies that uh, that you don't actually may not catch when you're just listening. But yeah, lots of weird stuff. Um, I know tons of stories from up in uh, the Potomac Forest area, not just, of course, you know, in the co- tire coast range. Todd Niece's uh, classic uh, sighting of three uh, Bigfoot creatures as uh, they were doing um, demolition stuff or explosives, and and they're driving away, and he looks back and sees these three Bigfoot standing there swaying uh you know, can you can imagine what the what they were thinking, like, geez, good thing these guys are leaving. <laughs> yeah, just in blowing stuff up or 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 doing explosive for quite, you know, a long period of time. So and lots of stories up and down the the uh coast range, which basically if you come you know, you go into to Oregon, you got the coast which is a little skinny strip and then you got the Coast Range that goes all the way into the Willamette Valley, which is, and it, and that's up and down. There's very few breaks in that with towns and stuff up and down the entire. From and then you keep going up into Washington, and it's it might be less populated in Washington's coast than it is down here. I mean, you run up and eventually you hit the Olympics up there, and then down into Northern California. It's just so much uh, forest. And uh that's, you know, great bigfoot habitat. When people when people just dismiss it out of that hand, like there's no where would they be? Well go go look. <laughs> because there, there's a lot of habitat that could uh hide a a creature or a uh a species that that uh, we haven't yet documented to uh, the public satisfaction.
0: Yeah, indeed, and uh, we can go into a whole list of uh, some of the experiences in the Olympics that we've had. Uh, you know, working with the Olympic project and other odd occurrences. Uh, but unfortunately, we're out of time here. Uh, maybe we'll cover that some other time because I got. Obviously, we have a load of stuff that has happened and transpired up in the Olympics. You know, one comes along with Adam
1: Davis. Uh, on a trip out there, Mm -hmm. but
0: that's a a story for another time.
1: Unfortunately, we can only go on so long, but uh, I'd like to thank you, everybody. I'd like to thank my co-host, Shane Corson, for joining me today and and chat Bigfoot, one of our favorite things to do, and I'd like to thank all the listeners out there that uh, have supported us and are supporting us and all the folks that have chosen to uh, join us uh, in Monster Exclusive, uh, we're having fun over there. So if you're it's something you're interested and in, you like to check it out, um, you can get two weeks of Monster Exclusive for free at the moment. Uh, go check it out on our website www.monsterxradio.com. More shows, uh, more exclusive content, uh, field reports, and Sasquatch Island and Encounter shows uh, galore. So and we're adding new stuff all the time. So from a good friend and co-host, Shane Corson, this is Gunnar Monson. Uh, until next time, uh, listen to us next weekend with a brand new show, and we'll catch you then. Have a great week, everybody.